Yes, how's New York? Not bad, not bad. Um, yeah, it's treating me well so far. Yeah, it's supposed to be nice. Mm-hmm. I'm just and, kidding. I've been. No, that's okay. I've, I've barely been up for an hour myself. <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty much the same here. I haven't like had a whole heck of a lot of sleep, but that's okay. Yeah, what time is it there, Matt? Like five thirty? Uh, I woke up at five forty-five. <laughs> it's seven. <laughs> God. Yeah, and yeah, you got a hard act because you're going to a wedding, right, Andrew? I do have, this is the first wedding I'm ever going to have attended. I don't know how I've avoided them for this long, but yeah, this is my stepbrother's wedding and it's going to take place in a matter of hours. So yes. Ah, well, uh, congrats to the groom. Thank you. <laughs> and, and presumably to the bride as well. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The last wedding I attended was, uh, two years ago, almost to the day. Um, it was a Labor Day weekend, and I was the best man. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's nice. Are there as many responsibilities as I think there are when you're the best man? Um, well, I, I didn't get to sit down. I had to stand up, uh, and I had to um, oversee as they signed the, uh, the documentation. Mm-hmm. And I uh, handed over the ring to uh, my, my buddy Rob, who was the groom. And I also had to clean up. They, they're not... Becca, uh, Rob's uh, wife, is uh, Jewish, though she's not really practicing, but they did do the whole, you know, let we stomp on the glass thing. Mm. Because that's cool. That is. I mean, more important ceremonies in life need to involve uh, stomping on dishes. Yes. I agree. So I had to clean up after that. <laughs> well, I mean, I had wow. to pick, I, well, I mean, it was all wrapped up in a napkin and stuff, but I had to pick it up and put it in a thing. Yeah. That's fun. But yeah, I had to. Yeah, I got a... all dressed up in a nice fancy tuxedo and looked cool and helped Rob put his tuxedo on. And yeah, it was a nice day. And there was an open nice. bar. <laughs> That's always good. Priorities, you know. Yeah. This is not a Jewish wedding, so I don't know how much dishware we'll be stomping on, but I can only hope. Well, you can always just you know you know make make it happen yourself. Just during the reception, just you know start start throwing glasses on the on the floor and stomping on them. There you go. And if you want to, you can always just, you know, like start like lifting because uh, don't you lift the uh, groom in a chair, too? Or is that? No, uh, I don't. I don't. I well, that definitely wasn't done at this wedding. So, OK, OK. So it's Rob's about your size. So, ah, uh, yeah, that'd be. Yeah. <laughs> so, man, it feels like it's been forever since we did this. I don't know, it's been a couple weeks. Yeah. Indeed. Last week off. Because mm-hmm. it, it, it was chaos for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Life I'm, is outrageous. I'm, yeah, I'm still not fully set up. I mean, I don't know if you saw the picture I posted on our little glass board yesterday, but my laptop. I did. Yeah, the situation. I'm, I'm using my laptop on top of my girlfriend's laptop. Well, I'm not doing that today <laughs> because she took her laptop and, and now she's in the other room, but this <laughs> desk is tiny. Mm. Uh, so you're in Brooklyn? Uh, Queens. Queens, okay. Yeah. Cool. 
And where are you? Or where are you job hunting? Are you looking like in a city like Manhattan? Uh, yeah, or... anywhere, anywhere in the five boroughs. Well, for the yeah. five boroughs, I'm not going to fucking Staten Island. Mm-hmm. Oh snap! <laughs> Staten Island. Well, first of all, it would be a hell of a commute. And second of all, there's nothing really on Staten Island except for borderline suburban housing. Exactly. On the, on the trip up here from Philadelphia, we actually had to go. We got caught in traffic on Staten Island between the bridges, and we had to go do some wandering around uh, to find an alternate route. And it just confirmed my suspicions that Staten Island is only barely part of New York City. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never been to that one. Don't bother. <laughs> but Take yeah, I'm, that, <laughs> Staten yeah. Island. Yeah, but I am interviewing <laughs> on Monday at a uh, legal firm in Soho. Nice. Financial law firm and doing like web work and uh, writing and stuff for them. So hopefully, hopefully that goes well. I hope that is fruitful. What does Soho stand for again? South of Houston. S- South of Houston. Because hmm. people in, in New York don't know how to pronounce Houston. Oh. I they really pronounce that. Houston as Houston? Well, well the Houston, street Houston is the city. Houston is the street. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Well, I'm glad to have you back on because I, I feel kind of guilty. Last week we talked about the Keen album and, well, barely. Uh, <laughs> and we, we didn't have you here to defend it, so... Yeah, I heard uh, you guys touched on it, but I was not here to sing its praises, as it were. So uh, we'll have to do that today. Well, yeah, I think I, I I think we ended up talking about maybe what two minutes about the Keen, and then like twenty about Negative Land. <laughs> I think you're being charitable about how much time we spent talking about Negative Land. <laughs> is Negative Land a a made up word, or is that an album or something? It's a it, band. Yeah, <laughs> it, they're an audio collage group from uh, Contra Costa County, California. And uh, they got in trouble in the early 90s when they sampled the U2 song, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For, to create a EP called U2. Hmm. And there was a whole long legal fight. They got in trouble with Island Records and with U2. Then when they and tried to... Casey uh, Kasem. Yeah. And then when they tried to uh, put out a book about the lawsuit and everything, then their record label, SST, got pissed off and started suing them as well. Damn. Yeah. So rather than rehash that whole thing, <laughs> just listen to the previous episode, episode 17. When you guys said that you uh, had descended into a discussion of U2 and Negative Land, I assumed that that was a discussion of uh, U2 bashing. Well, neither of us are U2 fans, so... but Yeah, I never really got into the U2. I like a handful of songs, but I don't really get it. Yeah. My dad's the same way. Maybe I inherited it from him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think U2 is one of those bands that people either really love or don't give a shit about. Yeah. Because mm. I've never run into any properly hardcore U2 haters. I wouldn't even say I am a U2 hater. I just like, most of the time, if I can be, if I'm listening to, the, if I'm in, if I'm, yeah, if they come on the radio, odds are I won't turn it off unless I can, unless I'm just not really in the mood. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's kind of how I am. I, I just you choose kind of a like a non-entity. Like, I mean, if if it weren't for them being dicks to negative land, I wouldn't even have an opinion on them one way or the other, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they don't offend me or anything, but it just doesn't interest me that much. Yeah, but we're not here to talk about you too. We're here again. To talk- <laughs> again, yes. So let's why don't we talk about the Keen real quick and 
Yeah. yeah. yeah set, set up the case for us. Well, um, so I take it you guys didn't uh, don't like this record. Um, uh, actually, like I, I think the, the Cliff Notes version of of last or the last episode is that Rich was kind of met on it. I I I liked it, but but uh, not like yes, this is the best album ever. But I I, I still enjoyed it. So. Cool. Well, um, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I feel like I preface every one of my picks with this, but I'm not a huge Keen fan, but I really love this one record. Um, and I didn't even, I think I got the recommendation, uh, via a message board and, um, it's under the iron sea. And for me, this is, uh, I guess Keen is classified as sort of this piano rock where there's a, a greater emphasis on the piano and, and keyboards than on guitar. And I don't really listen to very much of that, uh, genre, but for some reason, this record really sticks with me and, one of the things that I like about it is just sort of the cohesive sort of feeling to it. Like it's called Under the Iron Sea and the whole and between the album art and the the tonal qualities of the songs like you have Atlantic, which is the first track. And it just feels like you are under it's like this under the Iron Sea sort of world. I don't really know how to explain it, but it feels very cohesive to me. And um, I like that quality about the album. And then. The other thing that I kind of like is just that the songs are very catchy. This is one of those albums that I'll put on if I really need to sing really loud in the car because you can you can really blast it out like the whole the whole album, especially these first few tracks. Um, is it any wonder? Is the uh, the I think the the pick that I chose. So we'll probably play that for you guys now. I just really enjoy, I find it this is a very uplifting record for me. So like when I when I'm feeling a little bit down and I need to to sing my uh my little heart out in the car, I'll usually put this record on. And uh yeah, like I said, it's just it's got a very distinct feel to it and it it just feels like the whole I don't know how this compares to their other records or um if this was their breakout record or something, but it just feels very cohesive and it's a it's a strong um album and and work of art musical art i would say so i don't know yeah i, I will give you it is very cohesive um mm. and i i also do like the cover art i'm, I'm looking at it yeah. on wikipedia right now and that, that that's some nice design yeah. it's and, handsome. and it folds out too like a, it all folds down oh I like on the actual physical cd yeah because i don't oh. have the actual physical disc right. well, that, that's sweet I, I i'm a sucker for good packaging yeah yeah, yeah. i was like pretty impressed with that actually yeah. Even though I download you, most of my music, you know. Yeah, <laughs> Matt, what do you mean by it? Fo it folds down. Uh, it the uh uh, it's a long uh, I don't know, maybe five panel thing, but like on the the side that has the cover art on it, uh, it's basically an extended version of the cover art that just you know follows down basically you know through the through the Iron Sea of the of the cover art. Oh, very interesting. Yeah, I mean, if the if the music really grabbed me more, I'd go out and look for the actual CD. You know, once yeah. I'm at, actually in a place where I can buy CDs, I got nowhere to put anything right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and it is kind of. I feel like the mu I can't tell like how much 
depth there really is to this record. And if it is truly a a really great record, or if it's just kind, of, if it's a pretty good record, but I just happen to like it a lot. Um, I think there's, I mean, it's a consider there's a considerable body of work here. It's 54 minutes, including the uh, the bonus track, Let It Slide. I don't know. Well, I, mean, I, just, I thought it was okay. It just didn't really grab me. It, it felt like a little like U2, which explains why we got into that uh, rat <laughs> hole last week. <laughs> um, especially the song Is It Any Wonder. I just got this incredible U2 vibe out of it. Um, you know, it's better than U2, but it reminded me a lot of U2. Yeah. Yeah, and kind of on that that kind of tip, I was like, that was like kind of the the riff last week that I had was that it reminds me a lot of Coldplay and U2, except that it's way better because I kind of hate U, uh, Coldplay and U2. Yeah, I definitely associate it with the sort of Coldplay spectrum of of sound and stuff. I'm not a I'm a decent Coldplay fan, I guess. Um, I've never really... The only Coldplay album I ever actually listened to or was able to listen to from start to finish was not the most recent one, but the one before that, Viva La Vida. Mm. Um, and for some reason, that's a record I can listen to in its entirety. But the rest of them, you know, even Parachutes, which apparently everybody loves, and A Rush of Blood to the Head, I was never able to get through. Um, so I like a, a fair amount of Coldplay. But the Keen record definitely falls into that sort of that realm, that piano-y sort of sensitive, but it's also um, fairly energetic and, and uplifting, like I said, so it, it kind of does it for me. Yeah, I'm not going to be, it's not going to be the the second album I've ever deleted from uh, from this show, so. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I think the John Mayer would be a higher up on that potential list, but I'm not even going to get rid of that one yet. So. Yeah, this isn't really an album that speaks to me, but it, it's, it's okay, and uh, it's definitely competently performed, too. And these guys really are good musicians. I'll give them that. Yeah, I was gonna say that, that that's the pull quote: competently performed. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I like that. I like. Uh, there are some songs on this record that I like a lot more than others. Like "Isn't Any Wonder" and "Leaving So Soon" and "Let It Slide" and "Crystal Ball." And "Atlantic" in particular really sort of epitomizes the the feel thing that I was talking about before. Because as soon as it, I mean it's the intro track, but for some reason I don't know how they do it, and it's it's almost impossible to explain in words but the the tone of that song and the sound of that song feels like you are under the atlantic ocean and it's just um that has always fascinated me about this record how they've managed to sort of create a sound that reflects the notion of what you would imagine being under the iron sea would be like i'll give you that one atlantic was a good song it is it's probably my favorite on the album yeah um I don't know. I'm glad it doesn't offend you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm worried because one of the albums I'm worried I'm, I'm trying to decide what I'm picking for next week and one of them might go be end up being another uh album that at least one of you hates. I know Matt's a fan of the band. I'm not going to mention who they are yet because I haven't decided. <laughs> so, I guess that's going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then again, I mean Matt hasn't heard the album. It could be his least favorite album by this band. I don't know. <laughs> um Mm. Since we're kind of pressed for time, can we shall we move on to the next, or do you have more to say? Sure. Yeah, okay. No, that's good. Yeah. Uh, mind if I take this one? Go for it. Okay. Uh, my pick this week is the album uh, "Bright in the Corners" by '90s indie rock darlings Pavement. And this is actually uh, I mentioned them way, 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 way back when uh, we were reviewing Clockwork Angels. Yes. But the yeah, you know, what about the voice of Geddy Lee at the end of Big Trip? Oh. Yeah. And so, 
I'm, it's been a while since I listened to them. Like, put it on. Oh, wow, this is great. I have to share this with people. So, if you're not familiar with them, here's Pavement. The big song on this, of course, is Stereo. Let's hear a little of that right now. record I ever listened to, uh, which is probably a good thing, because some of their earlier stuff is a little more noisy and uh, incoherent. Not that it's like incoherent performing and songwriting, but it is a lot noisier, and their original drummer couldn't play drums. <laughs> that, that's uh, Gary Young, right, of uh, Plant Man fame? I want to say yes, but I'm not going to say yes without looking it up. Okay. Do-do-do-do-do. Uh, yeah, um... Yeah, uh, some, some, yeah, Gary Young. Yeah. Right. Okay. I, I, I just always remember the uh, Plant Man video from Beavis and Butthead. The plant man knows where the plants all grow. Plant man knows where the plants all grow. <laughs> plant never man. <laughs> never seen that. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Throw that in the show notes. I'm I'm old. In <laughs> yeah. fact, I, I, the, the, the band Pavement, I first heard about them through a comic, uh, Cat and Girl. Let's see if I can find the, uh, here we go. I'm going to actually throw this right into the chat for you guys. Boom. And, uh, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to have to check this out. And Slanted Enchanted, uh, no, sorry. Slanted Enchanted was, uh, the, uh, the first album. Now, Bright in the Corners, uh, just really grabbed me right out of the gate with Stereo. And, like, there's not really a bad song on there. Um, just, uh, double, double checking here. Yeah, Shady Lane is amazing. Transferred is arranged, type slowly, embassy row, old to begin. There's so many great songs on there, and it's just this great mix between the two. The poppy side of Pavement, which is, you know, their big song, Cut Your Hair, is very much a pop song, but also it's kind of the noisier, more experimental indie rock sound with uh, stuff like Finn and uh, Blue Hawaiian. And so, like I said, I love the hell out of this. I think it's their best album. I know some other people go, oh no, uh, the, their, their best album is. Uh, probably is crooked rain or slanted enchanted but i like this one and i hope you guys did too yeah i um i knew that pavement existed because i've heard john roderick mention them before uh actually during those um that house show the house show songs uh video series and um i'm pulling i have to pull the uh have to spend more time with a card on this one because uh my life has exploded since becoming an english professor but uh, I really, I did enjoy the song uh, Stereo, and it really reminded me of Cake. Do you guys listen to Cake at all? Mm-hmm. No, um, I, oh, go on. That's okay. Um, yeah, my friend, uh, a friend of mine gave me a mix CD years ago, and it had um, a Cake song on it called Sheep Go to Heaven. Oh, yeah. And uh, that really reminded me, or this song really reminded me of that sort of style, and um so I really I I, I uh, enjoyed it. I enjoyed the instrumentation. The vocals immediately sounded exactly like whoever the vocalist for for Cake is, um, and I'm not a a big Cake fan <laughs> in terms of music, um, but yeah, this just sort of struck that same chord with me, and it's uh so it felt kind of familiar, but at the same time I was uh, interested in hearing uh, more of Pavement. So I need to I need to listen to um, the 
majority of the record to get a full feel of it. But uh, I think this is a good a good introduction. I enjoyed uh, the stereo track. So. And now you've got that pull quote for uh, since you're a Rush fan. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I I, uh, I recognized that when I was listening. I was like, oh, it all comes together. <laughs> Everything comes full circle. <laughs> exactly. So what's in you, Matt? Um, yeah, it's it's one of those it's like funny things where it's like Pavement is is one of those bands that like it seems that like people just like absolutely fucking love. And I've never really got that level of fucking love. Mm-hmm. You know, like I mean, like it seems like there are people who are like, you know, you know, Pavement are are better than the Beatles and they are the new Beatles and da 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 da, you know, and it's I I don't get that level but I, I i i dig them okay and i like like some of the uh steven malkman solo stuff and all um but like this is probably the best pavement uh stuff that i have heard and i i i quite dug it it's like i guess it's nudged me a little bit closer to being able to like kind of like grok that you know pavement above all other bands thing but you know it's i i still don't i still don't get it but it's it's they are a real good band. It's they're just not to me like the end all be all of 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 alternative rock or or, right. or whatever that people seem to seem to do. I don't think they're the greatest band of all time by any stretch. I just think they're a very good band. With oh no, I wasn't I, I wasn't yeah. saying that you did. I just it's something you do hear a lot though. Mm. Yeah, I'm guessing it's more of a Seattle thing because they are they are a West Coast band. Hmm. So. Yeah, yeah, it's like one of those things where I'm like, I'm like constantly like hearing like pavement, yeah, and it's like sort of like, yeah, they're 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 a good band, <laughs> you know. It's, <laughs> I mean, there there's certainly worse bands to be all explodey about. So yeah, <laughs> like Coldplay. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. We'll be here all week. Um... <laughs> but yeah, I, I dug it. So that's that's the short answer. That's that's the that's the answer I wanted to hear. <laughs> although it's one funny thing too because it's like because uh like uh when you were talking about this one is uh slanted and enchanted it's like it kept messing with me because i was going like okay yeah i gotta listen to slanted and uh and enchanted this week wait no that's the jesus and mary chain album isn't it and that's you know stoned and dethroned but for whatever reason it like i got those conflated and got really confused oh dear yeah, Sand and Chant is the first pavement album. I don't. I'm not a fan of the Jesus and Mary Chain, so I'm not really a, a familiar with their discography. Jesus and Mary Chain is uh, a band that Isla got me into. It's like it was like one of the funny things because like we like both bands, but it's like in the divide. Like I was more Pixies and she was more Jesus and Mary Chain. Hmm. But because I mean, both of them are kind of in a similar wheelhouse, I guess. And it's just one where it's like, you know, it's one where we love both bands, of course, but it's like, I think for her, you know, it was like, you know, they're, they were the ones who were, you know, far ahead. And I, and for me, the Pixies were the ones that were far ahead, but it's just like, they're both really, really, really good. And yeah, okay. I, I'm sorry. I'm exhausted. So I'm probably not making a, a good goddamn lick of sense here. <laughs> I think it's interesting you brought up the use of Mary Chain because a bunch of friends of mine, uh, are big fans, so they just went to see them last night. Oh, awesome. I hope yeah. they played for more than 20 minutes. It sounds like they did. Oh, good. <laughs> that That's not uncommon for them, because it's, if I recall, it's sort of a, um, kind of like Oasis, except way more talented, where they, they're brothers and they kind of hate each other. Because <laughs> I, I know, like, I, I remember, like, Isla told me about, like, one show where she went and they played for, like, 20 minutes before, like, imploding on stage. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. If you're going to if you're going to be performing 
you know, there's no excuse for for holding it quits after 20 minutes unless like there's a massive technical fuck up. Yeah. I think that's I think that's uh, all we got about the payment. Uh, let's talk about Barnes and Barnes. Okay. Uh, like this is one that I I I like I had a little bit of a picker's remorse over not because they're bad because I fucking love Barnes and Barnes like they are one of my like favorite bands honestly but I just wasn't sure how they would you know how they'd play for you guys you know um so but hopefully hopefully you enjoyed it this is from their this is their second album Spaz Chow um and I I actually chose the expanded version because I think that actually holds up as an album better than the original LP which is very good but like for me like the original LP was really good but this CD is a lot better um and I mean it, it works very much as an album because they have all of the links and everything and I mean Barnes and Barnes are um primarily known as a novelty band and I mean you probably got a bit of that vibe from this record like with like songs like uh Love Tap you know mm-hmm. uh but um they're they're most known for Fish Heads which is on their first record you know the Fish Heads Fish Heads Roly Poly Fish Heads <laughs> <laughs> Yes <laughs> wow that was cool um, but, but yeah, and, and, but like one of the things I like about Barnes and Barnes is they always have had like a really experimental side and there's always like a lot of really cool sounds on the records as well. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think that they're just, you know, really great, you know, songwriters, honestly. I mean, it's, it's one of the, you know, even, even their more, uh, straight up comedy records like, uh, Six or, uh, Vubaha, I, you know, I can listen to over and over again because, the musicianship is so good. It's not just a, a matter of like, okay, I got the joke. You know, it's like there, there's real meat to the songs. And I guess like, uh, I, I think I chose women rattle me. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> um, that, uh, that is actually from one of the bonus tracks on the CD edition, like the expanded version. Um, so why don't we, uh, hear a little bit of that now? Women. Rattle me. Down in the bushes by the side of a lake, working up a sweat, the old give and take. Running through the halls past the slot machine, bouncing in the bowels of a psycho's dream. Women. Women. Yeah, I, I just love how, like, murky this song is. I mean, it sounds like it like it takes place in a swamp you know i i just love that and it's cool too because um barnes and barnes are art and arty barnes who are uh in, in the realm of uh lumania are our brothers um but in real life they're bill Mooney, the actor from uh, lost in space and uh, babylon 5 and robert hamer who is a um like who's and when he's not Barnesing, is a, a really great session musician, uh, producer, and engineer. And he basically, like, they both, like, produced, but I think, I think Artie or, or Robert uh, did the bulk of the production work. And, like, and he's responsible for, like, you know, engineering and mastering the records and all that kind of stuff, too. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I just really uh, dig the hell out of this record. It's one of my favorite Barnes & Barnes records. So, um, what do you think? Like, how much do you hate me for choosing this? <laughs> Rich. I'm going to let, oh, okay. I was going to defer to you. <laughs> <laughs> New fetus. Okay. Shotgun. Actually, I liked it. You're probably not surprised by that one, Matt. 
Yeah, I, 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 of of the two, I figured you'd you'd like two of you. I'd probably figured that you had the the better shot of of being a fan. Yeah, I mean, I already had I already had Vubaha, mm-hmm. which is a great record. Um, and Boogie Woogie Amputee, Come On, uh, Party in My Pants, Fish Heads. It's mm-hmm. it's a very fun, very funny song. I mean, album. And but yeah, this is the first I've heard anything else by them. And yeah, I was a little surprised by this. It it is a lot darker. Yeah, and I mean it's. Like, I mean, it's kind of a concept album, which is, uh, like if you, like the, the intro bit, which has the reversed thing, if you, if you, uh, de-reverse it or play it forwards, um, it says, uh, it's gives the definition of spaz chow, which is, uh, to suffer at the hands of women and make music. Hmm. And it's very much a breakup album because both of them had gone through, uh, really bad breakups and, and stuff. And so it's sort of a exorcism of those sorts of demons yeah. I, like I, was very sur- I, was, I was wondering why you picked a track that was a bonus track as your as your hook pick thing so thanks for the explanation there and that is a very good song um yeah, yeah I, I think th- I, I think if, if i'd picked from the 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 original lp half of the thing because i mean it's it is pretty long but i mean like the original lp i'd probably i don't know i'm like really fond of um spooky lady on death avenue and also their cover of I Want You by America is great. <laughs> Speaking of America, um, Dewey Bunnell plays on um, uh, one of, I think it's on, oh, I don't remember. Yeah, he, he's, uh, Barnes and Barnes have actually worked with America like since. Oh. And they're, they're, they're friends. So, I mean, it's like, I think they were friends at, even at the time of a recording, uh, I Want You. But, but yeah, I was like, yeah, they've actually gone on to write songs for America and yeah. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> but pretty cool though. I, and like Mookie uh, or um, Longest Dream was recorded in Bunel's studio if I record or if I recall. Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely interesting getting more into the, hearing more of Barnes and Barnes because like I said my, my knowledge of them basically began at Fish Heads and ended with the album Fubaha. So <laughs> I definitely have to check out more by them. Uh Oh yeah, the other thing I know by Barnes and Barnes was that Boogie Boy uh, has a little spot in uh, their music, their video collection. Yeah, yeah, uh, where uh, Zabagabi is the video, and it's where they teach him to wax his carrot. Yeah, I'm, I'm throwing that in the show notes. Yeah, that's in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, and it's it is uh, surprisingly safe for work. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I liked it. Um, let's hear what Andrew has to say. I'm going to go take I shelter. Thought- <laughs> no, don't take a shelter. Um, I really like the definition of spaz chow. Um, no, I thought this was fine. I didn't. Uh, it did not offend me. It was not a new fetus, <laughs> uh, as you said. Um, again, I didn't get through the whole thing here, but uh, like you said, Matt, there are a lot of interesting sounds on this record, which is something I, I really appreciate. And with um, women rattle me in particular, I really enjoy that. Uh, what sounds like to me a twelve-string guitar. Uh, yeah, I think, in the beginning. I think- I think he is playing, uh, Bill Mooney uh, is playing like a, I think he said a 12 string uh, Rickenbacker, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds about right. And uh, yeah, so I really liked most of the music on this record and I thought the, the links were interesting. Um, this is kind of one of those records that falls into the um, pretty good music and then significantly significantly less accessible vocals. Mm-hmm. Um Although, you know, like we've all said, you know, we're no strangers to, to strange vocalists. But, um, yeah, I liked it. I thought uh, the vocals were good. You know, they complemented the the music. 
uh, once you sort of got acclimated to it. And I don't know if I will uh, listen to this again, but because uh, I don't really, I mean, you said it was kind of novelty music, and that's kind of the vibe that I that I got, and I tend to not um, consciously put that on that sort of music on very often. But um, no, I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed my my first listen, so. It did not offend my delicate sensibilities <laughs> in the way that Fetus did. And I love that there's a boob on the cover. Yes. It's always good. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, and like it's kind of interesting because like this is like this, the last album that really sounds like the early Barnes and Barnes, like Fubaha does. Like after that, they went a lot more pop sounding. And like the, I like, I love, you know, like, like their next album is, um, well, they, after this one, they did an album that was never released until, um, I think, 2004. Like, it was locked in the CBS vaults. They, like, refused to release it. And then their, their next album that was released was called Amazing Adult Fantasy, which honestly might be my favorite Barnes & Barnes record, but it's very much in that kind of 80s pop vein. And I, I wasn't quite sure if, you know, like, of the two, I figured Spaz Chow might, like, appeal more immediately. But, I mean, also, it's like, like Amazing Adult Fantasy is very much more a serious record, and same with Code of Honor, the the unreleased one. Like they were very much trying to break out of that that comedy stigma that you know, and and yeah, and there's even like because uh, I mean, you kind of got the impression on Spastro that they did a lot with collage, and there's like some collages on Amazing Adult Fantasy that are actually about that, where it's like phone messages between Art and Artie basically, you know, you know, talking about, you know, whether or not they should change their name or get labeled with the stigma of comedy or <laughs> die and wait until they're reincarnated <laughs> to, to, you know, do, to, to go for a, a, do a pop album basically, which amazing adult fantasy more or less was. And I, I think it's a really great pop album, but, but yeah, it's, I, it probably is a little dated production wise cause it's 1984, but it's still, a real great record, but it, it it doesn't sound like nothing else out there the way that like Spaz Chow and Vubaha do. Well, I mean, something I'm gonna have to check out. Yeah, uh, like I am a huge Barnes and Barnes fan. I actually like uh, I I don't know if they're still putting out things because I haven't heard from them in like a few years. But like for the Bill Mooney fan club, I was like kind of like the official like Lumanian scholar or whatever for uh you know Barnes and Barnes stuff for a little while. So. Like I did a few articles for them about Barnes and Barnes stuff for the uh, Bill Mooney newsletter. Cool. So I, I'm a big old nerd on on them. Mm -hmm. As if we're not all big old nerds. Well, yeah, huge. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Since, since you're back this week, I mean, uh, I'm thinking maybe we do like I don't get it part two because uh, last week Matt and I kind of discussed like genres and things we don't really get, don't not mm -hmm. dislike, just like don't really understand the appeal of. So yeah. Yeah. Maybe what did you guys you're pick here. Uh, I talked uh, about metal mostly. Okay. And I, I talked about reggae mostly, and then devolved into random other things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As we are wont to do. Yeah. That was one meandery ass episode. This is what we imagine. need you, Andrew. You, you regulate <laughs> us. You regulate. You keep us, us honest. I try. <laughs> um, genres I don't get. Uh, well. I mean, I agree with the metal thing. I don't really, I'm not a huge metal person. I mean, Primus in the early days had some metal metallic influences. Um, maybe a little bit more thrashy 
I don't even know what thrash music sounds like, but Frizzle Fry sounds like it could be described as, as thrashy. Um, and I'm not a huge reggae person either. I had a, one of my very good friends whom I've known for a long time was a big Bob Marley fan in his youth. And uh, I thought it was fine. I like uh, Iron Lion Zion uh, a lot. But the, uh, the jamming and, the, and that sort of thing doesn't really, doesn't really do anything for me. And then uh, I guess – so I agree with both of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was telling Matt last week that if – I mean as someone who kind of likes reggae – and I, I wouldn't say I'm a fan, but if I ever have to hear one love again, I'm going to have to choke someone. That's yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's, I mean, everybody can relate to that. It's, I feel like it's very, it's super accessible. And it's because overplayed. of Bob Marley's. Yeah, well, yes, it is definitely. Um, which is one of the reasons like why I'll, I'll never put on Legend because it's everywhere. And so I can just listen to it when I'm out in public because chances are I'll hear it at some point. <laughs> uh, I just think it's very accessible, and I think that Bob Marley is one of the because he was influential um, from what I'm what I'm told for various things. Uh, I feel like Bob Marley is one of those musicians that non-music fans claim to like in order to f- seem like they have good taste in music. <laughs> well, if they had really good taste in music, they'd be listening to the good stuff, the better <laughs> reggae. Yeah, but that's the thing about good music is that it takes more effort to get into i mean because everything on the radio is so it's called the mainstream because it's a stream which means it's shallow right so it doesn't take a lot of effort to digest the songs whereas you get a rush album or any of the records that we talk about on here and it requires considerable more time and energy uh, to invest yourself in that record and to understand it whereas it's easy to just be like oh you know I love Party in the USA. It's too much work to, to listen to. I'm going to have to, to pick like an Honest to God pure pop record just to prove you wrong on that point. Just for just for kicks. <laughs> not that it takes work to understand it, but just that we all pick like you know stuff that's, hard, that's more sort of difficult. I'm not saying that to be a dick. I'm just saying because yeah, there, well, there is no shame in a perfectly good pop song. Yes. No, that's one of the running themes of the show, I think. <laughs> yeah, and, fact, um, didn't Shonen Knife just put out a, a new album? Yeah, called Pop Tune. And Shonen Knife is awesome. Yes, I I just uh, saw them and again for like the fourth or fifth time, and yeah, they do uh, just a great show. Mm. Yeah, I guess I would. I guess difficult isn't the proper word, but I think that the records that we talk about on here have considerable, considerably more depth to them than something you would hear on your average radio station. Yeah, I'll, I'll give uh, you that one. Although I just had the idea, I just tweeted about this that I should make a a guilty pop song playlist. Um, well, if you're going to share rock- with us, make sure you take the blue off of there. <laughs> Seriously. I was uh, rocking out to Michelle Branch the other day. And yeah, those actually, songs that she had. Speaking of Michelle Branch, did you ever uh, check out uh, the Wreckers? It, mm, no. It was her, like it was her and oh, Jessica, somebody, I don't remember her name. Um, but um, it was their, they did a country duo and it was actually really good. And she like sh- the records came by work and uh, played a few songs. And I, I was kind of like impressed that, you know, even as like this, you know, she, it was, you know, like a, a pretty big star, you know, mm-hmm. but she was like a real nice person, you know? And it was like, it was just one of those things where it's like, you know, with like the, most of the Michelle branch stuff, I don't really know it that well. Like I, you know, know a couple of the singles but that's about it but i mean it was like so i wasn't like 
I had no sort of like starstruckness with her, mm-hmm. but it just seemed that she was like a real nice, you know, pretty genuine person, you know? Yeah. No, she's pretty cute. Well, that, uh, there is that too. She's also <laughs> yeah. very tiny. Is she? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like in, in real life, she is like. Pocket size. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was surprised. I was like. I like that. Um, yeah, the only tracks I know are Everywhere and All You Wanted, which were those two radio singles that she had off of The Spirit Room, which came out in 2001. Um, I got nothing to add to this except that the tiniest musician I ever had the pleasure of meeting was uh, Kayo, the former keyboard player for Polysix. Mm. Though, having seen Laurie Anderson in person from the front row, she is also incredibly wee. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's like a topic for a show is like the best smallest musicians. <laughs> I don't even know how I'd begin to make a pick for that. <laughs> well, I'm putting the show uh, branch in the show notes. Yeah, I can put uh, the Kayo solo EP in the in for my pick, unless Matt's going to beat me to it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering what you don't get about metal, since you said you're not big on the metal. Um, I think that uh, I mean, there's a presumably so you have. Two sort of two sort of spheres here. You've got technical virtuosity of the musician, and you have listenability of the song. Mm-hmm. And I feel like metal tends to arguably skew towards the the chops side of things, like playing really really fast, but subsequently there's no groove or there's no melody to the songs, which for me makes it fairly unlistenable. Um, so when I think of metal, I just think of, you know, and there's no real um, musical quality to it. It tends to be a little bit noisy. Um, for I can give you a high five through the Internet right now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so like with Primus, I mean, you have Primus can be very heavy and be uh, especially Frizzle Fry strikes me as more of a it has some metal qualities to it, like with Mr. Know-It-All and and stuff. And there's pretty heavy stuff on that record. But it always, there's always a groove to it, and it's never um, listenable because there's always. I mean, I suppose metal has has hooks, but uh, a song like Mister Know It All has um, a groove and a hook and a vocal performance and and everything that makes it very listenable. And it has dynamics, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Um, you know, there's quiet parts and loud parts, and it's uh, makes the the song very enjoyable. Whereas uh, your average metal song, you know, I don't feel like it. It has that much depth to it once you get past the really fast guitar playing. Yeah, I was I had this. Basically, I said almost the exact same thing, probably less well last week. Um, the only metal band or band that can be considered metal that I that I actively enjoy is is Rammstein, and, I've heard and of they them. have yeah they have dynamics in their songs, um, and they play. They do play fast and technical, but they also have some really good song structure. They got a keyboard player, which is endearing. And I think the big thing, too, is that the guy in Rammstein can really fucking sing. Yeah. So, uh, maybe I'll... I don't think we did... We threw any Rammstein in the show notes last time, so... Oh, wait, yeah. I, I linked to the terribly not-safe-for-work video for their song, Pussy. So. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, and I, I, I think for... I, I actually am kind of a metal fan. I'm like not a full on metal head, but I mean, it's like I, you know, and I threw in some links to um, a band called uh, Typo Negative that I, I think, you know, like 
non-metal fans like yourself <laughs> might want to check out. Because, uh, again, Peter Steele can really sing as well as, like, the Rammstein guy, who, who I'm also a big fan of. And also, there's a keyboardist. Um, but it's also kind of like Rammstein is there's a sense of humor there as well. So mm. <laughs> I think that makes it um, a little bit easier to go down. But they also do have, like, you know, pretty good uh, – pop song structure and stuff as well. So if, if anyone's curious, you can check last week's show notes and, and see a couple of typo videos. Yeah, we'll throw a link into last week's show notes and this week's show notes. That wasn't Inception. confusing at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't get rap. Do you guys get rap? I'm slowly developing the vocabulary and understanding for it. Um, <laughs> Go on. I, it's a hard genre to get into because so much of it, and I was actually having this discussion the other day with my girlfriend, that so much of it, it's so prominent, and so so much of it is terrible, and it's really hard to find the good stuff. Um, I Speaking for myself, when I listen to that kind of music, I do listen for, um, well, first of all, I like to actually be able to understand what the hell they're saying. Mm. Yeah, because I'll be honest, a lot of what I hear of hip hop is coming from the backs, is coming out of people's cars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so all I hear is motherfucker, bitch, motherfucker, like I value. I think the term I'm looking for is I, I'm going to sound so fucking white here. <laughs> I think the term we're looking for is flow, <laughs> wherein the the vocalist is able to deliver these rhythmically challenging long sent long lyrics in a way that is with the beat and intelligible mm-hmm. thank you i'm a pretentious white guy <laughs> <laughs> and um so that's hard to find um the the record that really helped me get long i got into hip-hop by way of nerdcore if that makes sense which is to give it a accurate, if not exactly charitable description, is white guys rapping about nerdy stuff. <laughs> uh, MC Chris is probably the most famous example. Um, there's uh, Front MC- a lot. Oh, front oh. a lot. Yeah, I don't. I don't actually have anything by him, but uh, there's the novelty album uh, by MC Hawking, which is rap done with the uh, the Stephen Hawking style uh, computer voice, <laughs> and you know that that's absolutely hilarious. Um, <laughs> But the, the first proper hip-hop album I ever checked out was uh, Straight Outta Compton by N.W.A. And it's just, it's a really great record. It's, you can, not every song is genius, but, you know, the big songs like Express Yourself and Fuck the Police and Straight Outta Compton, Gangsta Gangsta. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm probably turning red right now, just from embarrassment talking about this. <laughs> um, they're, they're intelligent, well-written, well-performed pieces of poetry and they're also really solid musically they it's mostly this is from the period where a lot of hip-hop was done with samples and whoever i had to the 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 assembling of all these samples of you know funk music and rap and, and and rock music and this and that is done in such a really incredible way that if there's ever an instrumental version of this record i would snap it up just so i could hear the beats that and the samples that provide the bed for the music. And that, that really captivates me. It's this perfect blend of this stuff that I find really, really hard to find in other rap music. Yeah. 
there's I, don't a, know. I, I should have thrown this into the show notes last week. I'll definitely throw it in this week. It's a, a list I found of 10 hip-hop albums for people who don't know shit about hip-hop. Nice. None of them are albums I have, so I'm going to have to make a point to check that out. <laughs> Sounds useful. Yeah. I saw uh, Umphreys a couple of weeks ago in Bridgeport, and they did a cover of a song called Regulate. Oh, uh, Warren, uh, Warren, Warren G. G. Yeah, featuring Nate Dog with two Gs. Um, and it was great. Like, it was the highlight of the show. Um, and I had never heard the original before, but um, I put on the, the Humphreys version in the car when I was with my uh, a couple of friends of mine who are more well-versed in that sort of music. And they were like, oh, my God. Why? How are you? Why are you listening to this? And I said, and I explained to them that Umphreys did a cover, and I thought it was awesome. Um, I don't know. There is a. I like it because it it grooves. You know, it has a. Uh, it has a groove to it, and it's it's enjoyable, and it I can, it has some some considerable more depth than just you know spending cheese and hoes and stuff. <laughs> I don't know if you spend hoes. <laughs> <laughs> You can have a spent hoe, but that's something else entirely. <laughs> Show title. <laughs> Spending hoe. <laughs> We're Classic. terrible. The worst. Um, so yeah, if you're if you're genuinely curious, I could definitely pass that end of your way up more to you. Um, I know, you know, mutual our mutual uh, appreciation of Merlin Mann. Merlin is uh, a big is is a end of the old school hip hop stuff. He's a uh, I've heard him wax, wax poetic about uh, the album 76 Chambers by the Wu-Tang Clan, or Enter the Wu-Tang. The seven, it's a weird song. Yeah, he had oh, a big Wu-Tang fan, Wu-Tang Clan phase. And, yeah, uh, Enter the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers. That's a weird title. Um, and I, It's an okay record. I, I can't quite get into it as much as he does, but I, it's got some great, uh, interesting samples of uh, kung fu films and stuff. I'm going to mm-hmm. maybe give that another chance. Yeah, I'm trying to. I feel like there's more examples of rap that I happen to have enjoyed. I'm trying to look through my library here. Like I'm a big fan of uh, Run DMC too for for old school stuff. Oh, mm. like, yeah. You, if you're gonna go really, really old school, you can't go wrong with that. Yeah. I even do like the uh, the cover of uh, Walk This Way. I mean, I, I'll be honest, I, I have Aerosmith is kind of a guilty pleasure for me. <laughs> they were, they were yeah, my I'll... first big rock concert uh, back in 2001. Yeah, and I think for me, it's like if I if I have to listen to Aerosmith, I, I like it tempered with uh, Run DMC. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't I don't mind uh, that version of Walk This Way. I mean, it's a, I think we had this discussion before, but like the first couple eras, there, there's just this trio of really good Aerosmith albums from the mid '70s that are honestly worth your time. Um, I think it's the only three I have. Uh, the <laughs> they're the self titled album, uh, Rocks and Toys in the Attic, which I think I'm getting wrong chronologically but uh that's how they're just appearing right now yeah because yeah rock stuff that came out after toys in the attic i'm just doing an alphabetical order but i mean at the very least you need to hear the song big 10 inch record off of toys in the attic matt because it's hilarious okay yeah i, I know that, that one is you know still gets airplay too so yeah i mean it's it's i think it's a it's a cover uh, but it's it's one of those songs that sounds dirty but isn't mm-hmm <laughs> Which I, I I love songs like that, and like ACDC's big balls. 
You can't listen. I don't to know that. if that one counts as a as a double entendre. I think it's barely a single entendre, really. <laughs> well, you know, if you listen to the song, he's actually singing about ballroom dance parties. Oh, I know, I know, but I mean, there's like a lot of things that don't really apply to ballroom dance parties. So <laughs> there's like a, a a few things where it's sort of like you know, okay, you 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 kind of ran out of things to say, so you're just you know. Just straight up talking about your balls now. <laughs> it, it's still hilarious. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm juvenile. I, I, I'm free, I freely admit this. <laughs> you know, sometimes you want to listen to Mozart. Sometimes you want to listen to uh, Bon Scott talking about his balls. <laughs> True. And sometimes you want to hear uh, Gangsta Gangsta by NWA. Oh, I killed the chat. <laughs> 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 I think I gotta gotta head out. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna go back to bed. <laughs> okay, I'm this is gonna be a very you know. very short episode this week. Um, oh well. Yeah, I, well okay. Skype. I, I blame the Skype and the microphone troubles. Yeah, and 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 I I'm out of it too. So I'm just sort of like, huh? Well, are you cognizant enough to tell us where we can find you online? I I think so. I, I'm on kittysneezes.com. And you should check that out. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> and, and you, Andrew? <laughs> and uh, I'm at andrewmarvin.net, which has been a little quiet, uh, which has been a little quiet recently, but um, we'll be back up and running soon now that I've gotten my bearings with the whole teaching thing. Uh, and at Andrew Marvin on Twitter, of course. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, sandspoint.com, sandspoint on Twitter. I got rid of my Tumblr. I mean, it's still there, but there's nothing on it. And... Mm. Uh, we're crushonradio.com. Follow us on Twitter at crushonradio. We're gonna. I'm hopefully we're gonna start doing more stuff with the site and the Twitter soon. Uh, and you of course rate rate us on iTunes. We'll be back next week, and we'll be a lot more awake and cognizant than I think. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 in closing, fuck Staten Island. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> you might have listeners in Staten Island. Well, we might. Have I know. Listeners I in Staten Island. <laughs> <laughs> I've never even been to Staten Island. I, 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 